This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're writing our way into episode number 17. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. The tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen Burgess from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and this week I am super excited to bring you the podcast because I have a guest on the podcast, Rowana Rosewood, the author of Cut, Stapled, and Mended. Rowana has put together a book that every woman should read. Any woman who's planning to become a mother, any woman who is a mother, and anyone who has ever loved a mother. It's a wonderful book. So with that, let's jump right into the interview. Hi, this is Kristen Burgess from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am here for today's episode of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, and I'm thrilled to introduce my guest for today, who is Rowana Rosewood. She is the author of the best-selling book, Cut, Stapled, and Mended. She's an international award-winning speaker, and she is also the executive action chair for the Human Rights and Childbirth Committee. So how are you doing today, Rowana? Oh, wonderful. Thank you. It's so nice to be here with you. That's great. All right. I just finished your book, and it was it was amazing, a wonderful book. I just loved it. I work with a lot of moms who are VBACing, so I was especially excited to get it. And I had heard that it was a page-turner, and I was just really thrilled. It indeed was. I couldn't put it down. In fact, I used it. I compared it and contrasted it with another book, who, for that author's sake, will remain nameless, um, to teach my daughter the difference between writing that's compelling and writing that is just <laughs> writing. Uh, so your book was the writing that's compelling. Oh, great. I was just, I was just thrilled with it. Um, and I wanted to ask you some questions for our listeners, a lot of whom are moms and dads who are preparing for birth, and many of whom, like I said, are moms and dads who are preparing for a VBAC. So to start, Rolana, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and especially about your journey into motherhood? Sure. Well, I am just a normal person. I'm a mom. I'm a business owner. And my, in terms of my journey into motherhood, I, I really didn't think much about birth. I thought that birth was nothing more than the most unfortunate and messy and um, oh, just unpleasant means to a baby was, was my thought about birth. And so it's perhaps no surprise then that I ended up with an unwanted cesarean. Um, and that's kind of the moment. It was there on the operating table with my arms strapped down and my uterus sitting outside of my body that I realized that birth is more than the means to a baby and that it was actually an important process, something that that I had just lost, and that that birth isn't just about bringing a baby into the world, but it's also about becoming a mother and about meeting ourselves, our deepest selves, and our power and who we are. And it, I just, I had failed it. So that that's that was my intro into motherhood. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Having said that, can you tell us, during your first pregnancy, what was that like? What did you focus on, and how did that change after this experience with the cesarean and that realization that birth is more than just how you get the baby into your arms? Well, the first pregnancy, I just thought women have been doing this since the beginning of time. How difficult can it be? You know, it's, I'll just 
it'll hurt, I'll suffer through it, it'll be done, and I'll have my baby, and that'll be it. And then afterwards, when I realized that it was so much more than that, and that there was something I was supposed to do, I started to learn about our maternity care system, and I realized that my cesarean was, in fact, unnecessary. And I became very angry and very bitter at the system. I blamed people for giving me an unwanted and unnecessary cesarean and it was all their fault and if I had just you know been fully supported I would have been amazing and wonderful and graceful and I would have birthed my baby and my body would have opened like a flower and it would have been peaceful and I would have been like one of those women on the hypnobirthing videos and I was absolutely positive of that that it was their fault they were horrible and me I would have been great so I, I very much took on a victim role after the first baby, and became, again, very angry at the system. And so as I prepared then, as I became pregnant again, I was determined to have a natural birth after cesarean, to do whatever it took to have a natural birth after cesarean. I planned for a home birth, but I also had a plan, a birth plan in case of a hospital transport. And I... I focused on trying to have a natural birth after cesarean to the point that I put myself and my baby in danger. So it was, oh, I don't know, it was more than 24 hours that I was in labor, and eventually the midwife said that I needed to transport, and I fought them, and they then refused to stay with me. They said, look, you know, you can do what you want, but we're not, we don't feel safe staying with you anymore, so we're going to go. So I went to the hospital, and the doctor there said that I needed a cesarean, and I said, no, I need another doctor. And the second doctor said that I needed a cesarean, and I said, no, I need another hospital, and no other hospital would take me. So I was in, you know, the most alternative hospital with the most supportive, best-loved doctors, and my only alternative was a cesarean, and I was terrified, and I didn't want to do it, and I fully believed that the system was out to get me and that I didn't need it, but I didn't see that I had any other choice. So I consented to a second cesarean, and in spite of my belligerence, the doctor was really, really wonderful throughout the whole entire thing. And um, inside of me, she found more adhesions than she had ever seen, and I had actually pulled a, a three-centimeter hole in my uterus. So that cesarean was necessary. That cesarean, you know, saved my life and my baby's life. I had been, I'd gotten, I think, to, to nine centimeters, but stayed there for a good eight hours with no progression before my midwife said it was time to transfer. So um, that was a real eye-opener for me because I realized that the system wasn't just full of bad people who were trying to cut all the babies out of the bellies that they could. Certainly there is that dynamic, and our cesarean rate is way too high. I know you know that, and I imagine most of your listeners know that as well. But that's when I realized that the system isn't all bad. Uh, they would saved my life. They saved my baby's life. And then I decided that my body was broken, and there was no way that I could give birth, and I wasn't really... You know, I wouldn't have said it at the time, but I really didn't feel worthy of being a mother. I knew that without intervention, I wouldn't be here. And so, you know, where did this baby come from? This baby was, was given to me, and of course I loved both of my babies unconditionally. I didn't love them any less because I felt like they were given to me as opposed to me giving birth to them. But that was where I was. It was a very, very broken place to be. Yeah, so it, it impacted how you felt as a mother and a woman. Absolutely. And that was supposed to be the end of it. I didn't ever want to have another baby. It, I wanted a girl. I had two boys, and I loved them very much, but I really wanted a girl just not enough to go through another cesarean. It was too traumatic for me, too difficult. Yeah. 
Okay, so and we're we're often told that the goal is just healthy mother, healthy baby, and that we should be grateful for what we get, and that the method of birth doesn't really matter so much. But it sounds to me like you're saying that it does matter somewhere on some level for us as women. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and there are women out there who have wonderful cesareans, so I, I don't want to come across as saying, you know, cesareans are bad and natural births are the only right way and, and that sort of black and white. But of, of course we do not get pregnant because we want to have a perfect birth experience. We get pregnant because we want to have a baby, and the baby is, is absolutely the goal. But that doesn't mean that what happens to women is acceptable or respectful or the same thing. It's perfectly possible for us to be very grateful and happy for the beautiful, wonderful baby we had and also to be angry or sad by the violation that happened to our body. Though connected, they're not the same thing. The birth process is very, very important for women and, and throughout, you know, across the board, whether you're a midwife, doctor, everyone knows that natural birth, uh, natural physiological childbirth without interruption, without drugs, without intervention, that's the the best for the mama and the baby. Without a doubt, that's true. But what happens is in order for us to give birth, we need to have an experience. It's not that we're all such, you know, alternative hippies that we <laughs> care about an experience over the lives of our babies. That's not it. It's that when you start to learn about birth, you realize that in order to allow, in order for your body to do this, the experience in the setting has to be right. So to use an analogy for any of your listeners who maybe haven't had a baby and then through birth before, you can't just suffer through birth. It's not something where if you can endure the most pain, you're going to get through it. Or if, you're, if your body is the physically strongest, you're going to get through it. It's not like that. You have to think of it more as a bodily function, so like an orgasm or a bowel movement. And to take a woman and, and put her on her back and shine bright lights between her legs and surround her with masked strangers. And then expect her to do something as intimate and vulnerable as give birth is crazy. <laughs> we can't do that. We need a setting. We need an experience. It's no different than, you know, making love and, and reaching climax. There's certain things that matter, the emotional support and, and feelings of love and privacy and dignity and things like that that allow us to have a baby. And that's why it's so important. That's why women talk about the experience of birth, not because we are so selfish that we value some sort of maybe 24-hour experience over a healthy baby, but because we understand that what's best for our baby and what's best for ourselves and our bodies is to give birth naturally. And in order to do that, the experience very much matters. That's awesome. So wonderfully put. <laughs> and I, I agree with you that as you study more about birth, you realize that, that as you put it, the birth experience it's, and letting things happen physiologically are what ensure for most moms and most babies, the safety of the experience. It's all orchestrated so that things work right. And when Absolutely. you don't get in the way of that and when you make sure that the environment's right, it's just it's so wonderful to talk to somebody else who can so who can express that because I feel that's so mm. important for my listeners and for, for all moms and moms-to-be and dads-too to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I think it isn't it amazing how many people go forward and prepare to give birth or become a mother without really understanding what that experience is. 
we just go to our care provider, provider, usually it's our doctor, and we say, okay, I'm pregnant, what do I do? And the doctor says, well, you know, you eat well and, and you exercise and you come in for tests and we'll take care of the rest. <laughs> well, yeah. how does that set us up to give birth? <laughs> how, does it, how does it happen? You know, we, we have to learn about this. This is one of the most important things in our lives that we're going to go through, and, and we really have to, to strive to understand it and to, to find our place in it before we get to that moment. And then, you know, the truth is that I've talked to lots of women who have, who have given birth, obviously, and I, I find that it's not necessarily this is a cesarean or forceps delivery that women sometimes walk away with a lot of trauma over, but it's whether or not that was necessary. Because when a cesarean truly is necessary and when a forceps delivery truly is necessary, there might be some trauma, but it's not the same. Uh, it's, it's never, to me, seems to be the same amount of trauma as for a woman who, who it wasn't necessary for. And that's really important to know, is that we're not just trying to avoid cesareans. There are necessary cesareans. There are necessary forceps delivery. But the vast majority of them are not. There's no reason why one in three women can be being delivered by a cesarean. The World Health Organization says this number should be no higher than 15%. So without a doubt, absolutely too many of these surgeries are happening. Yes. And I, I, I agree with you. I've noticed that one of the things, uh, I'm thinking of a particular mom, but one of the things that was so important to her journey was figuring out was this, was this necessary. It was a home birth transfer that ended in a cesarean. And her big question out of everything that, that we talked about was, was this necessary? And when she got to the point where she thought this probably was necessary, it was a really unusual presentation was what she and the midwives at her hospital were facing. And mm -hmm. it, we, you know, I, she came to the place where she said, a really experienced doctor or midwife may have handled this differently, but where I was, who I was with, the midwives that I was with, and the obstetrician that was there consulting with them, uh, this, was, this was what they did and what they decided was best for my baby. And I think when she got to that place where she realized, yes, based on all the circumstances, this was what helped me deliver my baby safely. I think that that, that, that brought a lot to her. It brought her a, a lot, lot of peace. comfort and peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's so dangerous about what's happening in our maternity care system is that we as women can't trust what our providers are telling us. We, we want to be able to believe them, but when we look at the results that our system is producing, when we realize that um, although we spend more on this, this care, maternity care, than anyone else in the world, we should be getting this luxury service, right? <laughs> but instead, yeah. the odds of dying are greater here than in 49 other countries. And we know that our cesarean rate is two to four times higher than it should be. And so we can't trust our providers. And I'm, I'm not talking about a specific provider and a, and a specific relationship. I'm talking about as a whole. It would be foolish for us to trust the system that's involved with delivering our babies. And so that leaves a lot of confusion afterwards. It makes it very difficult for women. Yes. And speaking on emotions, moms who've had a cesarean often struggle as they're, like I said, as they're trying to understand everything that happened, to put a name to what they're feeling. And in your book, you just, you wrote really eloquently about your experiences and your emotions. You were able to express them in ways that I think a lot of moms find troublesome or hard to do. Can you talk about that a little bit, how you were able to put that down on paper or even explore that within well, yourself? Yeah, it, it 
took years, and it's, you know, what I've found both for myself and for others is that there's, it's like an onion. You just peel a layer, and then there's another layer, and another layer, and another layer, and, and each layer brings tears. But the writing process was was very healing for me, I will say that, and, and putting it out there and then being able to go back and read it and kind of see what rang true and what didn't ring true and to kind of tweak it and rewrite it and go through it again and again. And um, it's it's a little bit difficult for me to answer this question because I feel, because I'm so close to the book. It's like I can't see it. I can't see it the way you yeah. can or, or the way someone else who's read it who doesn't know the story as well as I do. <laughs> um, you know, but what other people what other people say is that it's raw and it puts into words feelings that, that they have that maybe they hadn't known how to formalize before or formulate. And that, you know, I, I consider that a real honor and a, and a blessing. And it's, you know, I think what it does, what it shows is that we're really, women are connected and this work experience matters. And it's so sad in our society that we go around and, and we don't talk about birth a lot or usually what women hear about birth is, oh, it's, you know, so painful and and and... And it's not that. I mean, yeah, birth is painful, but that's not really what birth is. Birth is incredible. Yeah. Giving birth was the, the single most exquisite, enjoyable experience of my life. And I want to share that with every single woman in the world. I want her to know that, that birth doesn't have to be something to suffer through. And then, yes, she's vulnerable. And, yes, it's scary. And, yes, it's difficult. And, yes, it's painful. But it's the opposite of that also, and in, in such a way that she's, that, that I don't know of anybody who's ever found the pleasure that birth brings in anything else in their life. And the fact that we're just throwing away this experience, or so many of us throw away this experience by drugging ourselves numb, really saddens me. And so I just put it out there on the table, and there's so many books out there. There's so many books that tell you this is how to give birth, and this is what you should do, and, and that kind of talk to women from the left brain, or the very you know, the studies and the numbers and the this is this stage and this is that stage. And I, I just wanted to put the other side out there, the right side of the brain, the the poetry, the love, the depth, the rawness of giving birth. Uh, that's, yes, so beautiful. want to shout it from the rooftop. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. We've heard stories. Now, you you talked about the stories that we hear today and – how women talk about the pain, and we've heard stories of the past when women were totally drugged, their babies dragged out, and they had to heal from that and bond with their babies. And we're told that birth today, even surgical birth, is nothing like, as they called it, twilight sleep. But as moms, we still feel a loss, even if we don't acknowledge that. Did you feel like that happened, that you didn't just lose a birth, but the beginning of your relationship with your babies? Absolutely. Absolutely, and and both of my cesareans were very different. The first one was was I would describe as obstetric violence, where the second one was respectful and gentle all around in the way that they treated me. And then you know afterwards the baby went straight on my my chest and was covered with blankets, so we had darkness and privacy. So one I was given that opportunity, the second one, and then the first one I didn't have that opportunity. This being said, I think that when we focus so much on that time, we do a disservice to the many, many mamas out there who really try and want an alternative, you know, natural birth and end up with a difficult one when we say that this is everything. 
or that this matters above all else. So many mothers out there walking around with guilt that they didn't, you know, create this perfect birth experience for their baby. And so, yes, it matters, but I don't think that it's the beginning. I think I think that birth is actually more of a result, and I know I'm rambling a little bit, and that probably doesn't make sense, but I don't think that birth exists in a bubble and that birth is just something that happens over a few hours or 24 hours or whatever it is. I think that birth is actually a reflection of who we are in our life and who our baby is and the lessons we need to learn and the experiences we need to go through. And so if you're a woman who's trying to process a birth that wasn't what you wanted and wasn't what you planned and wasn't what's best for you and your baby, as I was and as I still do in some ways, I think it's really important to look at that, to say, okay, how is this like my life? Because so often it is a reflection. So often, you know, women realize that they don't have a voice in birth and that nobody listened to them and their wishes weren't met. But then when they look at their regular life, they realize that they don't speak up for themselves. And and they don't walk around in the world as if their voices matter. And so I think it's really important to not take birth and put it into a little box and say that it's only in this box and it only exists in this box. Because some people have really wonderful, meaningful births and they get to bond immediately with their babies, but that doesn't mean they have a great relationship with life for their baby. You know, they may yeah. argue and have just as, have more problems than someone whose baby was delivered, you know, by cesarean and they didn't get to bond at all. So does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, I really like what you said. I think... One thing that I, that I like to say is that our, our children are our teachers. And one thing that my first midwife was my first three, I, moved, I lived in a different state, and she would say that, um, you know, that you're not getting the baby that you want. You're getting the baby and the experience that you're supposed to get. And, oh, I, and I think that. that those things, yeah, I think that that speaks to that wisdom that, you know, birth, babies, children, parenting, all of that can be a teacher. And I... So I really like what you said. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and, and I, I'm not saying that in a way that, that I'm suggesting that people just be passive and take whatever happens. Instead, I'm saying to really, this is something that we want to grab by the horns and not just put it in a birth box, but say, this is my life. This is my life. This is yeah. my baby's life. This is our relationship. What are we going to create out of this all together, not just in the time surrounding birth? Yeah. And I think that, and I think even even in the book, we could see that as, you know, or I could see that as I read in the book how you how you kind of incorporated what you're saying right now, that became part of your journey in in your third book. And in the book, mm-hmm. you share your adventures um, and and what you found. Uh, but can you tell tell me more about what you discovered during that journey and your research and and I guess kind of that journey into yourself, especially with the Hawaii trip is kind of what I got out of that. Um, you know, yeah. what did you discover that you'd like for all women to know from all of that self-work? Wow. That's a giant question. Uh, what I <laughs> you know, what I discovered is that I had responsibility for the first two cesareans. But yes, I wouldn't have had a cesarean. I, I don't believe I would have had a cesarean with the first baby if I had had the proper support and we had a different maternity care system, without a doubt. But I had pieces that I was responsible for both of those. And the amazing thing about that is that when I realized this, it, it, it opened up a whole new life for me. Because if I could take responsibility for what happened to me, then I could prevent it from happening in the future. And I had this idea that I could prevent it from happening by being really strong and tough and 
and kind of more masculine. I had never really been in touch with my femininity. I'd never had girlfriends. I always had, you know, guy friends. And and I, the process of getting pregnant, wanting a baby but not wanting to be pregnant, was an accident. I was terrified, terrified of having another cesarean. And what that went for me, it it really kind of broke me. It It broke my ego or it broke who I thought that I was. And I had to rebuild myself and transform myself and, and look at myself in the mirror and see all the things that I didn't like about myself and the things that I didn't like about the way I was living life. And it sucked. <laughs> it was a miserable, <laughs> miserable process. <laughs> and, you know, it's not fun to look at yourself and realize that you don't really like yourself and you're not proud of yourself. And, and even though I had, I had, you know, accomplishments and things like that, the truth was I didn't really love or value myself. And I had to go kind of through the darkness and through the pain and through the suffering that I'd been trying so hard to avoid that I'd kind of been pretending doesn't doesn't exist in order to get to a place where I was able to birth my baby. And it was unlike anything. It, it, you know, I couldn't have prepared for it from... I couldn't have prepared for birthing my baby from who I was. It was impossible. That person who I was was not capable of birthing a baby or understanding in her mind what it was to birth a baby. I had to kind of start from scratch and learn all over. Okay. Did I answer your question or not really? Well, I th- I do think that you did. I mean, because you talked about that journey that a woman goes through, and I think that it goes back to it goes to something that we kind of have lost in our culture when we look at birth just as the way to get the baby or we look at childbirth as just the pain and then there will be the baby. But um, but there's actually a process to go through and there's a little bit of self-exploration there. Um, I often yeah. feel like when I, when I talk about birth that I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, women who have gone before me, wise women. Um, and another thing that I've heard a midwife say is that when you do the work during pregnancy, then when you get to birth, all there is, is to give birth. But if you haven't mm. done the work, be that with yourself or with your relationships, then mm-hmm. then when you get to birth, a lot of that gets in the way, however yeah. you want to think of it physically, psychologically. Um, yes. And so I think that what you're saying, it, it kind of speaks to that to that need for exploration and to look at ourselves and, and where we are in life. And sometimes yeah. people just... You know, we don't want to wake up like that in our culture. Mm-hmm. So after yeah. after your third baby's birth, where you did have your natural birth, how did you feel after that? Was it healing or was it something different for you? <laughs> I, it was healing and I had to heal to do it both. It was much more traumatic than I thought it would be. Again, I don't remember in the beginning, but I said that I had this idea that if I were to give birth naturally, I would open like a flower and, oh, I'll be peaceful and beautiful and I would, you know, be the rock star hypnobirthing mama. And it didn't work that way. Um, I screamed. My mother said I sounded like a rhinoceros. I begged for drugs, I remember. Thinking that I remember, I really and truly remember so clearly thinking, okay, if a stranger in like a doctor's, outfit, walked through the door and offered me a cesarean, I would take it, <laughs> you know, which if you haven't read my book, 
maybe isn't funny, but I can't tell you. I mean, I went through so many things to not have a cesarean. Like, literally, I went through some ridiculous, absurd things to not have a cesarean. Yes. Nothing in the world, to me, was worse than having another cesarean. I mean, that I would be brought to my knees to that point where, you know, I would do anything to get out of it says a lot about the power of birth. Um, and and so I wasn't magnificent in that moment. But then something shifted. And, and where the pain was before, now there was pleasure and it was the most exquisite moment of my life. And I met God or goddess or whatever you want to call it. And it wasn't just a baby that moved through my body. It was generations of children. I, I, they were tangible. Everything that my daughter and her children and generations would experience. I touched them all, and it was the most exquisite experience. And so did it heal me? Yes, and it broke me at the same time. I wasn't me anymore. I was just, well, first I was an obstacle for creation, and then it's like I became creation, and I joined with it. And so it was, it was both the most powerful and the most vulnerable moment of my life. It was, um, yeah, exquisite. And awesome. surrender. I think I think that surrender is a really important word. And, and I think in our culture, we don't know, for the most part, how to be vulnerable and powerful at the same time. How to surrender, not to something exterior or even to what we want, but to what is really and truly bigger than we are. And to me, that's what birth was. And I, I didn't know it would be, but that's what I found it was, that it was about surrendering to something that was bigger and more important than I was and, and taking who I am and what I think just out of it and surrendering. That's wonderful. Okay, what motivated you to put all this down in the book? <laughs> you know, right after my baby was born, my, my third baby, um, I kind of thought I was going to do what I'd done when my other babies were born, which is jump right back up and go to work and, and just go back to life, to what life had been before. And my midwife put a foot down and she said that I was to spend 40 days at home, <laughs> 40 days at home taking care of my baby and nothing else. And I kind of looked at her like she was crazy, and I argued with her quite a bit, actually. But eventually I just remember saying, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, what do I do with 40 days? And she said, write your story. And so I... I started to write what it was to give birth. And after a little while, after I'd given birth, I thought that that was mine. I thought that I would own that memory. It was so huge and so big and so powerful and so amazing that I thought I would, I would have it forever. I thought that that memory belonged to me. But as I wrote, over time I realized that, it, that the memory was disappearing, that it's like, it's like birth had brought me to this other place, this other world, this other mindset that I couldn't, uh, that wasn't mine to hold on to. It was mine to glimpse, it was mine to walk in, but I couldn't grasp it. And then as I realized that, that it was leaving me, this whole process, this whole experience was leaving me and just kind of leaving this very flimsy shell of, of a memory, that's when I became just crazy frenetic about needing to get the experience of giving birth down on paper and needing to do it in that moment. And I really had no plans to make it into a book or anything like that. Um, I just needed to capture what it was to give birth. And um, for years afterwards, I would go back to it, the writing, and I would I would tweak it or I would make it longer, I would, I would play with it or I would um, start to bring some depth to it to, to say, okay, well, why was it like that? You know, why, 
why was I afraid in this moment or why did this happen? And, and then it grew. It grew and it grew. And eventually um, I realized that that I couldn't hold it inside me, that it couldn't just be in my computer anymore and that it was really important for me to take my place in the birth revolution. I didn't know there was a birth revolution at the time, but to just, to the best of my ability, to tell women that birth belongs to them, to do something, to try to change this dynamic where we are victims to birth and where we expect doctors or providers or someone else to manage our bodily function and our, our biggest contribution to the world, which is to bring life into the world. I mean, this is this is huge. This is enormous. This is amazing what women do, and yet it's given absolutely no value in our culture. And I felt like I had to deliver that to the world. And so it became a book, and there was lots of, of course, steps in the middle and complications and challenges and things like that and um, business aspects of books that I had no idea what I was getting into. It was a very difficult, <laughs> difficult, difficult <laughs> process. But that's why I did it, is, is I just can't stand what's happening in birth. It, it's not acceptable, and I needed to do something. Cool. And so, and you're still advocating for birth and, and working even beyond the book. And I just, I think that's awesome. I love meeting women who are passionate about sharing, especially who can articulate these things that we all kind of know or we feel like we should know, but it's hard in our culture, in our society, to to say things in a way that get people's attention and help them think, oh, you know, she's not just some radical hippie, but there's actually a point to this. And I really appreciate the work that you've done to help get that message across. Oh, awesome. thank you. And you know... And I want to say that this is so important that mothers do this job. When I when I had the manuscript and I was working with agents and they were approaching publishers, time and again what they heard is, you know, the birth genre belongs to midwives and doctors. Mothers don't really have any place writing birth books. No mothers would buy it. Nobody's interested in birth stories is what I was told. Because we ha there's this idea in our society that birth belongs to providers, whether it's a midwife or doctor. And somehow we think, when we think about the mommy wars or the birth revolution, that it's all about midwives and doctors. And this is, this is craziness. It's absolutely crazy. We must, as women, take back birth. Birth is about us. It's about our babies. It's not about them. And it, that's why, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're, quote-unquote, just a mom, this is your revolution. And we need you to be part of it. And there's so many different ways to plug in and become part of it. And, and you don't have to be articulate. You just have to be willing to do a little bit. And we have to do it for our sisters and we have to do it for our children. We have to do it for our great-grandchildren because we bring life into the world. And if we, if we allow them to steal this power, this honor of ours, that we alone as women were given, then it's no wonder that that what happens throughout society then is that, you know, women aren't valued and that life itself isn't valued because that's our place as women, as the keeper, <laughs> the creator, the bringer of life. We must do this so that we can take back our place and the value of life itself. And so I really, you know, I don't want anybody to think, oh, well, she's articulate, so she wrote a book or she, 
you know, she has some sort of special skill or something because she wrote a book. That's not it. It's that all mothers, it's time right now for all mothers to join the revolution in whatever way calls to them and say birth is about me and my body and my baby and midwives and doctors and legislators have no business telling me what to what to do, and if they truly think that a hospital is the safest and best place for me to give birth, then they need to do whatever it takes to get me there, and what it takes isn't bullying, it isn't coercion, it isn't scare tactics, it's listening to women, respecting women, and making hospitals places that women want to give birth in. Uh, amen. Wonderful. <laughs> All right. Now, Tell me, where can my listeners learn more about you? Where can they find your book so that they can so that they can read and be inspired to to take their part of this her story? Hmm. Well, her story, great. Um, they, I'm online at RoannaRosewood.com, but the best place I think to find that to to grab the book is to go to CutStapledAndMended.com forward slash gifts. Uh, again, that's cutstapledandmended.com forward slash gifts. And the reason I suggest this is because there's some incredible people who have rallied around this book and are giving away more than $800 in gifts to everyone who buys one copy of this book that's, I don't know, it's 15 or $16 or something like that. I think it goes for even less online. You can buy it anywhere in any store, uh, online or local store, and receive these gifts. And, Kristen, you know about this because you are one of the incredible people who have come together to support the book and are offering a gift. So I really I really recommend, even though you won't learn about the book, if you're going to buy it, you want to go to that site to register your copy so that you get all these gifts. You can learn about me at RoannaRosewood.com. Uh, there's lots of reviews out there about the book. If you want to learn more about the book itself, just just uh, search for CutsTableToMended.com. All right, that sounds great. And I'll include that link for, the, for getting the gifts in the show notes for this podcast great. episode. Thank All you. right, Rolana, is there anything else that you want to say before we wrap things up? Oh, I I don't think so. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm so happy to have spent this time with you and get to to share my little piece. All right, thank you so much, Rolana, for being here today. I just want to say thanks again to Rolana for the excellent interview. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed listening to it and recording it. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to the Birth Baby and Life podcast for this week. If you have a moment, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave me a rating on iTunes. Let me know what you liked. Let me know what I can improve on. And feel free to drop me a line and let me know what birth and baby topics you'd like me to cover in the future. Thanks so much and have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.